The following sermon is part of a series going through the book of Philippians, and it was preached at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. For more sermons, please visit our sermon audio page. It is our hope and prayer that this content is edifying for you. We read God's word this evening from Titus, Titus chapter 3. The sermon this evening is based upon Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. We continue our series in the book of Philippians, but our scripture reading will be from Titus 3. Titus 3, we'll read the first seven verses. Sorry, the first eight verses. Titus 3, 1 through 8. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified... By His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be, might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. We read that far in God's inspired Word. Now we turn to the book of Philippians where we continue our series and we read verse 5, which is the text for this evening's sermon. Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a question that I want to answer at the outset of this evening's sermon. It is a question that might come up in your mind during the course of this sermon. So I answer it right now. And the question is this, is this sermon encouraging us to be weak in our defense of the truth? Is this sermon, is this Word of God encouraging us to be weak in the defense of the truth? And the answer obviously is absolutely not. 
We must be bold. We must be courageous. We must even be sharp at times in our defense of the gospel. We may not compromise an inch. I want to make that clear as I preach this sermon. We must continue to be vigorous in the defense of the truth. Office bearers sign the form of the formula of subscription and by doing so swear thereby to reject all errors that militate against this doctrine and they swear that they are disposed to refute and contradict these and to exert ourselves in keeping the church free from such errors. And this sermon does not in any way contradict that vow and the necessary faithfulness that our office bearers ought to have and that God's people ought to have in defending the church from errors. Paul is an example of that in the book of Philippians even. He was a defender of that truth. We saw that in chapter 3. We consider that Paul vigorously defended the gospel of Jesus Christ against the Judaizer false teachings, even being willing to call those false teachers heretics, dogs, evil workers, and those of the concision, verse 2, or of the mutilation, in order to warn God's people sharply against accepting such errors. In chapter 3, verse 18, we saw him defending also against the antinomian error, being willing to call the antinomians of his day enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction and whose God is their belly. We saw Paul take up that stance, drawing his sword, which is the word of God, to defend the church of Jesus Christ from errors, and that very sharply. At the beginning of chapter 4, he gives an exhortation to the Philippians. Notice in verse 1, Stand fast in the Lord. That's the same idea. Defend the truth. But now Paul, we consider this evening, is concerned not only about defending the truth, but the manner of such a defense. Notice in chapter 4, verse 1, I said, he says, stand fast, but there is a small word right before stand fast that is small but also very important. So stand fast, he says. The so means in a certain manner. Stand fast. Manner matters. Manner does not simply mean make sure you're correct, though it includes that. Make sure that you are right and don't be, don't be concerned about anything else. Paul does not mean that. The manner we have already seen in our series of sermons in the Philippians includes unity. That we stand fast together. In chapter 1, verse 27, he makes that clear. That he stand fast in one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we have seen in our series of sermons also that for unity, there, is, there must first be humility. 
And even in the defense of the gospel, there must be humility. This morning we saw even joy, rejoicing in the Lord as we stand fast. And this evening, Paul takes concepts, the same concepts that we've considered of humility, of unity, of joy, of love, of grace, and he brings them together in this word, moderation. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. That's not weakness. Moderation is not compromise. You can fight for the truth. You can be unflinching in your defense of God's Word. And yet, moderate in your manner. In fact, my contention this evening is this. Your fight of faith against false doctrine and sin is far more potent as you follow the manner which God gives us in this text. Moderation. Not with extreme sharpness and uncontrolled vitriol. So I ask again at the outset of the sermon, is the sermon encouraging us to be weak in our defense of the gospel? And I say no. Some might criticize it as such. But on the contrary, the sermon calls us to be biblical in our manner of fighting. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Consider this text with me under the theme, demonstrating moderation. Demonstrating moderation. First, the moderation, what that means. Secondly, the demonstration of it. And then finally, the confidence we have. What is this moderation which Paul exhorts us unto? It is, it is a difficult word to define. Because as I said, Paul with this word pulls different concepts together into one idea. Moderation in the English, or moderate in the English, is a virtue whereby one restrains himself from being extreme. He has the self-control, the temperance, the Bible uses that word, a temperance or a self-control to avoid access, to avoid radicalism. And some English translations translate this word moderation with the word forbearance. Let your forbearance be known unto all men. Other places in the Bible translate this same word with the word gentle. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. Or patient. Let your patience be known unto all men. Titus 2 translates it gentle. It's a broad word, gentle, and yet it gives us some room to understand this word, moderation. The Greek word translated moderation is literally this. It's to yield. 
It is the, it is the yielded character of a person. Let your yielded character be known unto all men, Paul says. My explanation from here on will take this idea of yield. To be yielded should immediately make you think of someone who humbly trusts and submits to God in His will. To yield to God is to submit, to rest in Him. That's the heart of it. That's the heart of this yielded character. Every other idea that I describe this evening flows out of this yielded heart to God, to Jesus Christ. And we'll come back to this idea. That it is yielded to God first. But now when Paul in this text speaks of yielded character, he is especially emphasizing a yielded character as one interacts with other people. That's why he says, let your moderation or yielded character be made known unto all men. Children, here's the illustration I'll carry through the sermon this evening. An illustration, think about that yielded sign, that red and white sign that you see as your parents perhaps merge into a highway or come to a cross section in the road. It says, yield on it. Yield. It doesn't mean stop. It doesn't mean turn around. It doesn't mean either keep on going, barrel forward without looking without any care. But it does mean this. Yield means with your wisdom, wisdom is part of this concept, with your wisdom, discern. Look both ways. Look behind you. And then proceed carefully. Let the pedestrians, let the oncoming traffic Go first before you run into them or cut them off. That's yield as you're driving. And so now in your relationships, yield. You don't stop. Don't stop what you're called to do according to God's Word, like defend the Gospel, live a godly life. But make sure that as you do so, with the wisdom that God has given you, yield. You're not to be like a car that just smashes it to anyone and cuts them off. But let your moderation be known unto all men. If this is a foreign concept to you, beloved, then it's about time you and I learn it. Because this may be one of the main lessons that God is teaching us in this present controversy. Not the only one. But one of the main lessons, we need to learn this yielded character. Consider four descriptions of this moderation or yieldedness. First, someone with moderation yields regarding his rights, his earthly rights. The Christian indeed has rights. He enjoys rights that God has given him. He has rights under a certain government. But the point is this. While he may use his rights, he may enjoy his rights, 
and a country and a church. Yet he does not insist upon every last tittle of his rights as he interacts with his neighbor. He learns how to yield, that is, to give up his rights, that his neighbor may not be infringed upon. Think of driving down the road again. That's the illustration. When you see a yield sign, you do not insist upon your right of way. But you let them have their right of way, especially when you see an oncoming truck. You're not that truck. You yield to the oncoming traffic. I'm not giving you driving lessons, of course. We're talking about life as you interact with God's people and with those in the world. Paul speaks of such a yielded character in 1 Corinthians 9.20. Unto the Jews, he says, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To the weak, became I as weak, that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might, by all means, save some. There's Paul describing his yielded attitude. The all things to all men mentality. That doesn't mean Paul was going around compromising the gospel, not speaking up when he should have, giving in to sin, no. But it does mean this, that he gave up his rights as he interacted with God's people in order to minister to them, Think about Paul sitting around a table. Think about Paul sitting with the Jews around a table. And as they limited themselves to certain foods, Paul did not say, I have the right to eat this steak in front of you. This pork loin. But he was willing to give up his rights to care for God's people. All things are lawful to me, he says in 1 Corinthians 10.23, but all things are not expedient or edifying. All things are lawful to me, but all things edify not. Paul knew his Christian liberties or his Christian rights, but he was careful not to use his Christian liberty or insist upon his Christian liberty as he thought about the offense he could cause to others. Beloved, this yielding of rights is so important. It's part of moderation. And yes, it takes wisdom. But you're called to use your wisdom to yield. In America, you have rights. God has placed a certain government over you so that you have many rights, many freedoms, many liberties. You may enjoy those rights. Receive them in thanksgiving to God. But with wisdom, you're called to yield. So long as it doesn't mean disobedience to God's Word. Americans have the mentality of insisting on their right. I have the right to speak. I have the right to write. I have the right to do what I want. And it doesn't matter what other people think. That's the American mentality around us. And we, by nature, are prone to think the same way. Moderation is the willingness to yield rights. For the sake of others. In your church, beloved, not just in America, but in your church, you do have rights. 
Christian liberties to enjoy all kinds of earthly things, to eat, to drink. You have the right to protest. You have the right, you have rights, certain rights in the church. A yieldedness is moderation is not to insist on rights, especially for the good of God's people. Secondly, moderation is to yield regarding winning or competition on this earth. Rights and with respect to winning and competition. Like rights, the moderate person enjoys victories. God gives him successes. He gives wins. You win games in your life. You win things in your life. But when we come in contact with our fellow man, we're going to find, are we not, that in this comp competitive culture, everyone wants to beat the other. And even when it's not a game or a competition, it is made a competition to show the other up. Whether in marriage, or in church, or in our conversations one with another, there is a competitive mentality. Think of yielding on the, on a, on the road. As you drive, and two roads converge. You want to beat that car coming along at the same time, perhaps. And the yield sign says, learn. Learn to let him go first. In Titus chapter 3, verse 2, the word moderation is surrounded by descriptions of this moderation. Titus, or Paul translates it gentle. But he speaks of not being a brawler. A brawler. And the word brawler means contentious or always contending. You get the picture of someone who has his boxing gloves up and is always ready to get into a ring with someone, to contend with another, to beat another person. A moderate person is the opposite of that. Someone who is yielded is willing not to win every argument, not to prove himself right in every conversation. He's willing to hold his tongue even when he thinks of a great comeback he could give, a great retort that would put another in his place. Moderation is a virtue that yields regarding competition and winning. Third, moderation is yielding with regard to judgment. Rights, competition, and judgment. Third, now like rights and winning, we may, enjoy, we may judge. We're called to judge even. Jesus says in John 7, 24, judge not according to the appearance 
but judge righteous judgment. We're called to judge righteous judgment. We're called to make decisions. We're called to evaluate what's right and wrong, what is true doctrine, what is false doctrine. But moderation is a character that knows how to yield in our judgments so that we do not make rash judgments, quick judgments, especially judgments before we hear both sides of the story, especially judgments which judge motives. 1 Timothy 3, verse 3 shows us that this moderation is actually a qualification of elders especially. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but... And then it translates the word moderation this way. But patient. Patient. Long-suffering, that is. Not a brawler, not covetous. Someone with this characteristic of moderation is slow in his judgment. He makes judgments, but he's not rash in it. Lord's Day 33 speaks to that in describing the... Lord's Day 43 speaks to that in describing the ninth commandment. We make no rash and unheard judgment. A moderate person obeys that ninth commandment and yields regarding that rash judgment. Fourth, moderation yields regarding vengeance. Yields with regard to vengeance. Here's a real test of moderation. When you meet someone who sins against you, when you meet someone who is a striker, when you meet someone who has no moderation, when someone speaks evil against you falsely, or as Jesus put it, smites you on the right cheek, takes away your cloak, moderation is to yield regarding vengeance. Oh, we want to retort. We want to counter that attack. We want to get him back to retaliate. But this moderation is translated forbearance. Forbearance. We bear with another, with another sin. If it be possible, Paul says in Romans 12, verse 18, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Again and again, you hear, especially it seems recently, you hear, they did it too. They slandered. They're guilty of the very thing that they charged me with. They were schismatic, so I may. They gossip, so I will. But wisdom that is from above, James says, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. Same word. Wisdom that is from above, 
is gentle or moderate, yielding, not taking vengeance. In regards, or as with respect to rights, competition, judgment, and vengeance. And since this evening, this character of moderation does not compromise the gospel and the truth of God's word. Now, it is true. The world and the church world will take a passage such as this and interpret it to mean compromise. They will take this passage and interpret it to mean we should allow sin to continue without addressing it. They'll take this passage to mean we may make no judgments. They'll take this passage to mean don't rebuke. No one may rebuke the other. Nothing is black and white. There's no absolute truth. And we live in an age of tolerance, don't we? We need to be tolerant of everyone. And in the name of love, let us not make any judgments. That's how they view moderation. In the church, therefore, they claim ought not be preaching against falsehood, error. And the church ought not be disciplining because that is against this Word of God. That's not moderation. That's compromise. And we must speak out against that. We must, we must use fighting words, polemics it's called, to speak against sin and that which is false. We must discipline. But beloved, our tendency, our tendency is an overreaction to the world's tolerance of sin and false doctrine. Such an overreaction that we sometimes throw out moderation altogether and see no necessity to yielding with meekness, with patience, with gentleness. We ignore that altogether and even dare to criticize someone who has a moderate behavior and tone as being weak. We become rash in our judgments. We win. We try to win every argument to prove everyone else wrong except for us. And beloved, God has brought consequences upon us for that. Chastisement. In His love, chastisement. He's made us get a taste of our own medicine, so to speak. Because the immoderate behavior that we have sometimes had to other people He has made us taste as that at that same immoderate behavior has been brought against each other. May God be merciful to us. And He is. He is a God, as we sang tonight, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He is a God of patience and forbearance and long-suffering with us, His children, dear. As we saw this morning at the Lord's Supper, He covers us. 
with the broken body and shed blood of His Son. He covers over all of our lack of moderation. He covers over all our striker behavior, our brawling, our biting, our devouring, our gossip, our hatred of each other. And He forgives. He does. He forgives us for Jesus' sake. But don't miss this part of the Gospel. Jesus didn't only suffer and die to cover us, but this is part of the Gospel. He was perfect in His life of moderation as He lived upon this earth for us in our place. That also covers us. Think upon the Lord Jesus Christ. No, He never compromised the truth. He even at times spoke sharp words against the Pharisees, went into the temple and overturned the tables, rebuked the disciples when they needed to be rebuked. And yet His whole life was characterized by this meekness, this forbearance, especially with His people. Did He come to claim His rights? No. He gave up His rights as the King of glory. Placed Himself under the law, under authority, yielding Himself to the will of His Father and even to the authorities on this earth. Did He come claiming earthly victory, seeking to win? No. Not to seek fame and prestige and honor and win every argument. He was not in competition, contending with anyone and everyone, but He was willing even to lose it all. That was Jesus. When He was reviled, 1 Peter 2 says, He reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. When He was oppressed and afflicted, He opened not His mouth, Isaiah 53 says. Not seeking to win the argument to publican sinners like Zacchaeus and even to Pharisee sinners like Nicodemus. He came patient, bearing long with them. And while we were yet sinners, while we were yet spitting in His face, crucifying Him, it was not vengeful, but on the cross, you hear, you hear His words, don't you? Not pay them back. I want to get off this cross and destroy them in vengeance. But Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. His life was a life of perfect moderation. A yielded character was in Him and was exhibited to all. And that's not only a perfect model, but this is the Gospel. His perfect moderation also is imputed to us. So that when the Lord God looks upon us, He judges us as righteous for Jesus' sake. And He forgives. 
And he bears long with us, even while we continue on this earth, sinning still. This same character, now knowing the gospel, we are supposed to take, and by the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in us, we are to show, we are to demonstrate to others out of thankfulness, out of thankfulness for what Jesus has done, thankfulness for His moderation imputed unto us. We are to show this virtue now of Jesus Christ to others. Let your moderation, Paul says, be known unto all men, unto all men, because Jesus has shown this to you. That's what Titus is saying that we read in our Scripture reading. In Titus chapter 3, verse 2, Paul tells Titus to exalt, exhort God's people, to preach to God's people this, speak, no evil of, speak evil of no man, be not brawlers, but gentle, meaning with this moderate virtue, showing meekness unto all men. Why? Why show this moderation? Verses 3 through 5 explain why. For. For, Paul says, Titus 3, verse 3, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. Not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Paul's point is this. When you look upon other sinners and you want to have an immoderate behavior toward them, claim your rights, beat them, judge them, show vengeance, then remember this. Be moderate because... You too were sinners just like them. Against the Lord God. You were hateful and hating one another. You still do. And how has the Lord looked upon you? Has He made rash judgment of you? Has He brought His vengeance upon you? Has He claimed His right to destroy you? as He contended with you to beat you. Beloved, I submit to you, no, the gospel is just that, that the Lord God has been long-suffering unto you in Jesus Christ. He has not taken vengeance on you or judged you harshly, as He could have. But in Jesus Christ, He has given up His rights and privileges to save you. I'll do the same. Do the same to sinners that you come into contact with. There's no denying that they are sinners. And they've sinned against you. But forbear, be patient with your moderate behavior. The motivation is thankfulness for this gospel. The same motivation that I preach to you again and again. And the purpose, the purpose is that you might demonstrate this gospel of Christ to others. 
Let it be known unto all men, Paul says, to all kinds, yes, believers and unbelievers, those who have stayed and those who have left. That doesn't necessarily mean have fellowship with everyone. It doesn't mean withhold rebuke, but it does mean your patience, your long-suffering, your yielded character must be displayed to all because your behavior actually displays the gospel of God's long-suffering toward you. It's not only what you say that shows the gospel to all men. It is the manner in which you say it. Your immoderate behavior, your impatience, your rash judgments, your contending to win the argument actually hides the gospel of God's long-suffering to sinners like you and me. Let all, beloved, see the meekness of Jesus Christ, His gentleness, His moderation. In your marriage, forbear. With your children, parents, even when you must discipline them, Let the tenderness and compassion and slowness of God's anger toward you influence the care of your children. With your siblings, boys and girls, give up vengeance and rash judgments of motives. As you discuss theology even, and you must express disagreement with what another has said, let your moderation be known unto all men. Now, as you do so, one qualification. Wicked men, both inside and outside the church, are still going to hate you. As much gentleness, as much moderation that you might show to others, they will still accuse you of being radical and extreme and immoderate. Because their idea of moderation is tolerance of anything and everything. The accusations will still come your way. That's why the text does not say, convince everyone of your moderation. But let it be known. Let the gospel be shown both with what you say and how you say it. The world will hate you. In fact... They will hate you more. They will hate you more if you dare to firmly speak the gospel and the truth of God's word with a moderate attitude. That's what they did to Jesus Christ. As they hated him, they will hate you. Your moderation will be something that aggravates them. But that is your calling, even to the unjust. The purpose is to show the gospel 
I point you to one illustration, one example of this moderation besides Jesus Christ. And he is an example, not only positively, but negatively. You all know that character, Moses. Moses, Numbers 12 says, was a man very meek. In fact, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth, Moses was meek, a close synonym to this moderate character. He led those murmuring Israelites through the desert. They murmured, they contended with him, they contended with God. He sinned again and again through that wilderness, and Moses was patient, gentle. He continued to care for them and lead them. Even when the Lord spoke of the wrath that ought to be poured against Israel as they murmured against him, Moses pleaded with God for forgiveness, interceded for them as a wondrous picture of Jesus Christ, not only by what he said, But his behavior, Moses, represented Jesus Christ to the church, to the Israelites. That's an example, a positive example. But being such a positive example, you know what happened at the end, toward the end of his life. He became a perfect example of moderate, of immoderate behavior. For the Lord God told him, After the Israelites had murmured yet again for water, God told him, Speak to that rock and again provide water for the murmuring people. Show mercy, God said to Moses, in spite of their sin, in spite of their murmuring, give them water. Show them my gentleness and my forbearance with them. And this is what Moses did. You remember. He took his rod And he stood before the people as a representative of Jesus Christ. He should have been a representative. But he took that rod. Instead of speaking to the rock, he smote that rock twice. And he spoke harshly to the people. Here now, you rebels, he says in Numbers 20, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And water still came out abundantly, we read. The congregation drank. But this is what the Lord said to Moses. Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. What was Moses' failure? Even though he had been moderate in his behavior throughout his life, he showed that he was not perfect perfect type of Jesus Christ. He lost it. He lost it. In the end. Listen again to what God said in rebuke of Moses. You did not sanctify me in the eyes of Israel. That means Moses, you were supposed to display My moderation, my forbearance, and you did not. Office bearers, take heed. Remember, this is one of the qualifications 
gentleness listed in 1 Timothy 3. But whether in office or not in office, this is the qualification of Jesus Christ that we are supposed to reflect to all men. But that story of Moses brings us to the last point. God told Moses, not only you have not sanctified me before the people, but he began with this. Because ye believed me not to sanctify me before the people. The Lord God pointed to Moses' heart and to the heart of the matter for us also. Why is it that we lose it like Moses? Why is it that we lose this moderate character? We should have. Because he believed me not, God said. Or in other words, you did not yield, not only to others, but first you did not yield yourself to me. My will. And that's why you did not reflect it to others. I call you this evening back to faith. That is to believe in the God of tender mercy, slow to anger, the God of forbearance, the God of Jesus Christ who was most meek that you truly believe in Him. And as you rest in Him, in His gentleness toward you, that you show the same gracious gentleness to others. Be confident. Believe in Him. And that's Paul's point at the end there too. The Lord is at hand. Believe this. The Lord is at hand, which means simply, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. His coming is near. His time is close. Behold, I come quickly, he says, and my reward is with me. Soon and very soon you're going to see the King who will judge his enemies and save you, his people. Be confident in this, your Lord. His coming is near. And that encourages you in your moderation. Why are you willing to yield your rights? Because you know He comes to give you all the rights, the new heavens and the new earth, that you don't deserve, but He will give graciously to you for Jesus' sake. Why are you willing to give up winning and contending with anyone and everyone? Because He has made you more than conquerors. And he will give you the victory in the end. He's coming soon to do that. Why are you willing not to judge rashly? Because you know the judge is returning soon to judge perfectly. Why are you willing to yield vengeance? Because he whose coming is near says, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay. 
believe, beloved people of God. Believe in this Lord Jesus Christ. This forbearance, meekness has been toward you and for you. And believe in Him whose coming is near. And let your moderation then be known unto all men. Amen. Father, give us faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust His grace, His gentleness, His compassion to us and to all of His elect people. Enable us to manifest that same grace to others. To be a witness of the gospel of Thy forbearance with us, both with our words and with our behavior. Lord Jesus, we pray, come quickly. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hope PR Ministry Podcast. We are a part of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, and we are located in West Michigan. Our goal is to spread our distinctive Reformed beliefs. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us at hoperwc at gmail.com and visit our website at hopeprchurch.org if you would like to learn more about our beliefs. You can also worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m.